episode 45 it's the season preview you never knew you needed but we're giving it to you anyways this will be part one of a two-part series part one is the nhl preview part two will be the phf preview which will come your way in a couple of weeks for the uninitiated the phf is the artist formerly known as the nwhl Um, but this week you get the boring ass old nhl that men's hockey that bullshit league that we all absolutely <laughs> love Bettman and, and company and it's been Bettman for like 104 years something like that yeah, he's like sorry it's like gary Bettman and and like pendleton rugs and and throws is he a vampire he very well could be i a vampire I, in dad jeans I, I think i'd appreciate him more if he were a vampire i'd appreciate him more if he like did more informal interviews like he did in the winter classic last year which was like I'm just out in Tahoe explaining why the ice is melting in dad jeans and like chilling. Yeah, and- <laughs> he really got into that Tahoe vibe. Like, yeah, for real. He's like in like the most expensive resort city in America. And he's just like, I want to look poor. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm going to rep Lee's. I need I need some uh, some some boot cut on these. Not jeans. even Levi's Lee's, Lee's. Yeah, dungarees. <laughs> uh, we've got. As you might expect from a season preview, a lot to dance through this episode, Um, but we're going to keep it light. We're going to keep it casual. We don't want to sit here and be like, well, the New York Rangers will finish with 94 points, two points out of the playoffs. And well, Carter Hart had an 817 last year, so he's definitely going to regress or progress to be a 925 goalie this year. And yeah, we are not stat heads either. Stats are really all I live for. And um, I thought you were going to go old school GM. Like your analytics are bullshit fake news. Yes. And also I am Ken Holland and Duncan Keith is a (laughs) million dollar player times five. Uh, No, we're just going to we're going to give you the scoop on a couple of things that have happened since we last recorded and that are, you know, kind of big deals coming into the season. And then we'll dive into some prognostications, some funny jokes, some not funny jokes, and that I'll probably edit. That'll be the uh, cherry on top of the scoop. Yeah. And um, and then we'll put another scoop on top of it, which is, now this joke sucks. See, I told you that not all of these jokes will be you funny. You could have landed it with like whipped cream or, you know, sprinkles. I only, I only put whipped cream on my nipples. <laughs> All right. (laughs) Sprinkles, on the other hand. Speaking of nipples, uh, (laughs) there's kind of been a rash of anti-vaxxerness in the... And it's chafing the the NHL. I should have gone with speaking of boobs, actually. That would have been better. Oh, I I was right there with the chafing. All right. You you went nipples, I went chafing. Yeah, so, I mean, the NHL's nipples are chafing because of some ridiculous stances from some of its players um mckenzie blackwood goalie for the new jersey devils was kind of outed slash proclaimed that he was the lone holdout in the on the devils for and then getting confirmed. vaccinated um 
but yeah, internet sleuths, when provided with the information that we touched on last week, uh, or last week, last episode, went and looked at the socials of the entire New, New Jersey Devils and like quickly figured out who their probable anti-vaxxer was. And lo and behold, it's the goalie. <laughs> uh, which makes even more sense why they went out and signed a very capable 1B goalie for this season. Because um, he can't play because their 1A can't play in Canada anymore. Yeah, but Mackenzie Blackwater, I mean Blackwood, um, <laughs> happens to have the same agent as also noted anti-vaxxer Zach Ronaldo uh, and Bodie Wild, who has made his anti-vax position Stance. known and and was subsequently loaned to sweden yeah. which is kind of hilarious in itself because like sweden by all accounts and measures is like the failed state of trying to push herd immunity and anti-vax like life on people if you look at that sweden compared to norway denmark like miles and miles more covid cases and deaths than either of its scandinavian neighbors well they also had that stance early on that was like we are sweden and we can do we we don't need to shut down we are going to be positive together and we will be safe and oh we are dying right and and the republican party was like look they're blonde we'll listen to them yeah <laughs> they're not a shithole country <laughs> they're white and blonde they must know everything yeah I am white, and when I had hair, was blonde, and guess what? I don't know shit. So, um, you know, it's not Kaylee McEnany; it's uh, the nation of Sweden. So, also in uh, COVID news, so Josh Archibald came out and was like, "I'm not getting vaxxed. I'm tougher than all this." Turns out he already had COVID, and now he has myocarditis. He is also going to be out for a long time, indefinitely. Like yeah. his anti-vax stance cost him maybe his career and you know we've said this with a couple of other people like we want them to have a career but maybe not in the nhl so like i mean zach ronaldo's getting the tony d'angelo treatment right now he's not playing anywhere <laughs> well i mean he also was not very good at that point so oh, yeah. <laughs> um josh archibald at least is an nhl player Bodie wild not yet. Let's keep it in Edmonton for a bit here. Um, despite his unending silence regarding the sexual assault allegations during his time in Chicago, Duncan Keith spoke openly and fluently about how he felt forced and compelled to get vaccinated in order to play hockey this year. Yeah. Wow. Was not exactly expecting that. Except totally could have seen it coming. Yeah, Keith, as you'll remember, uh, Ken Holland made this big spectacle about talking about how Duncan Keith was brought in to bring leadership and tenacity to the Edmonton Oilers locker room, um, only for that leader to openly, you know, decry vaccinations in the nhl meanwhile two of his players or two of his teammates are out for indefinitely with heart issues related to covid that's some real leadership both mm -hmm. from duncan keith and ken holland yeah really could not be better marketed to western canada than what the oilers are presenting right now we have uh 
a bunch of sick people and anti-vaxxers and, um, you know, they could put that on billboards and that would probably sell like hotcakes. Um, in, in other, uh, NHL news, uh, the Arizona coyotes formerly of Glendale have become the first NHL team to relax their dress code. Um, this is kind of this this is may seem like a non-story but it's actually kind of interesting because we all know the NHL is a very conservative old school league. Mm-hmm. They have the NHL has a policy that the required attire for a game pre and post is suit and tie. However, there's a loophole in there that says or at the discretion of the GM or the owner of the okay. team. The GM and owner of the Coyotes have decided to kind of broach this. It's been broached a couple of times, uh, especially in the COVID bubbles for the 2020 season, the end of the 2020 season. Right. You're going to see five people. Why wear a suit? Yes. And so also, where am I finding new suits? Um, (laughs) My tailor can't size me up because of COVID. Exactly. And so we saw some restrictions lifted there for a lot of teams. However, those restrictions were put back in place after the bubble ended. Uh, The Coyotes, however, are going all in on relaxing those restrictions for a like only marginally COVID influence season. Mm -hmm. And they will be the first team to do so. A lot of NHL players on other teams came out and said, this is awesome. I hope this happens at my team because I'm really tired of this bullshit. (laughs) And a couple of others were like, yeah, my GM's an old school guy, so I don't see that happening, which is kind of a bummer because I'd like to, you know, wear the other 300 articles of clothes I have other than (laughs) the 10 suits I have. And so, like, that, it's really cool. The NFL and the NBA have um, very uh, relaxed dress code uh, limitations. Mm -hmm. The NFL especially has allowed for like very expressive um, apparel as long as it's done tastefully, which yeah. I think is a very wide range of things. I'd like to see Austin Matthews in a crop top. That would be great. <laughs> Again. Um, <laughs> Next up. So we've been talking for the last couple episodes about RFAs and how they have not been signing as quickly mm-hmm. as as you normally see. Um, at this point, there's only one holdout of like the major RFAs, and that's Brady Kachuk. So Brady uh, reportedly was offered an eight by eight by Ottawa, which is a great contract, uh, unless you don't want to spend the rest of your life tethered to Eugene Melnick, mm-hmm. which can you blame anyone for? No. Yeah, eight years is like career defining contract. Yeah, that's you know. He'll be 29 at that point, which he'll be able to get one more big contract. But at that point, you know, his he'll, his peak years would have been spent in, in Ottawa, Ottawa, which they have the talent to maybe compete by then. But they also have the tendency to just sell off all of that talent for pennies. So, yeah, it's a good strategic decision by him that, like, keeps his career in the limbo state that a young forwards career kind of wants to be in. If you want to make a crap ton of money in 
a contending market. Yes. If you are Brady Kachuk, you sign like a five-year deal. You're 26 at the end of it. You're square in your prime and you can sign wherever the hell you want. Meanwhile, dad is flying between LA and Anaheim and trying to get you signed there (laughs) or traded for, you know, traded onto a bad, but high market, like high advertising value market in America and a team on the rise or get one of his sons in the United States. (laughs) Yeah. Right. Um, so I, I don't blame Brady Kachuk for not wanting to sign this long ass deal, especially with Ottawa. I mean, he sees what Kirill Kaprizov got in Mm -hmm. Minnesota and that's, that's I'll take one of those, please. Yeah. That's gotta be the target. If you're him, um, I wouldn't want to be, uh, tethered to Eugene Melnick's whims and like, which sucks. Cause like Pierre Dorian does such a good job there. Yeah. Like look at the, he, uh, the collection of young talent on that team. I and know, you're like, it's salivating with more coming up through the pipeline. And you're like, they could be so good, except, you know, their owner doesn't want to pay them when they get older. Yeah. And it's funny because they are, as of right now, the only team currently below the salary cap, uh, or below the salary floor, which is another reason that they have to sign Brady Kachuk. Like, they'll give him more money just to get him in the door. Yeah. And well, and that's the thing is, you know, Eugene Melnick a couple of years ago said, you know, we have a long-term plan. And then that it, it comes with five years of what was it? Never before experienced greatness. And that first year was supposed to be this year. And he's like, we'll spend to the cap. And it's like, no, you're the one team below the salary floor. Well, you're not even trying. Yeah. The timeline for that thing is completely off though. They're, they they still have the potential, but it's, it's still, it's still two years off. I mean, Thomas Shabbat is not a Norris quality defenseman yet. Uh, They just got rid of their best young goalie in Joey Decord. Like they they've had some setbacks on that schedule. Self-inflicted. Yes. And also not signing your best winger coming into camp and uh, just generally being a kind of second rate franchise and team. Yes. But they still have a tantalizing amount of talent. So we were talking about uh, COVID and one of our friends just jumped in on our Slack thread and asked if it was too late to get a Vander Kane in this episode of the podcast, to which I said, what? (laughs) And a quick Google search shows that Evander Kane is being investigated over fake vaccination card allegations. Whoa. This dude can't at all get out of his own way. Yeah. Like Ron Artest would be jealous right now of the amount of shit that you mean metal world piece. Yeah. The, the amount of shit Vander Kane is pulling like Dennis Rodman. That, he's almost reaching Rodman levels of just distaste for authority and uh bad boy behavior. <laughs> but somehow like 
No, this is past both of them. Fuck it. That, delete what I just said. This is, you get accused of gambling, betting on your own team, sexual harassment and assault. Your child abandonment. Child abandonment. That's like the given. Uh, uh, paying for multiple abortions with not your wife. And uh, and now faking a COVID card. Like, in one fucking offseason, there's got to be some sort of award for this shit. Like, the anti-heart? The I don't Razzies. know. Razzies? <laughs> yeah. The NHL needs a Razzie. And it needs to go to Evander Kane every year now. until somebody else proves otherwise. <laughs> so it's like a, uh, it's a hold on to award. It's, it's a, like a it's a career achievement award. Uh, so here's the interesting tidbit about this. So Kane, if if found in violation of NHL COVID protocols, which he's already being investigated for, mm-hmm. could face a suspension or a fine from the league. This also makes it way fucking easier for his GM to send him packing. If he is found to have purchased or used a fake COVID-19 vaccination card in the U.S., that is punishable up to five years in prison. But might be void contract. And if he used it to enter Canada, it's a $750,000 fine. And up to a six-month prison That's sentence. That's only Canadian money, Jake. Yeah, but Evander Kane doesn't have any money. <laughs> he doesn't have American or Canadian money. Yeah, it's that. That's full-on insanity. I love it so much, and also hate it. How could you be so stupid? Why not just get the fucking shot? Why go through the rigmarole of a fake card? And you know, if putting you- everyone you know in your professional sport teammates at risk well i mean at least he's not putting his family at risk because he's never ever by them <laughs> um so his soon-to-be ex-wife is safely somewhere else yeah and probably vaccinated if it, I, I don't even know what to say anymore evander kane you're you're so bad at this life thing we've left mad levels and just like well uh, now i'm just impressed like you pooped in the refrigerator and ate all the cheese (laughs) like that's amazing that you could just roll in that much shit in one off season like we're getting up to like on the level of like repeatedly stupid decisions we're like we're approaching uh like the appeasement of Hitler levels and like, no, 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 let's give him Czechoslovakia. That'll make him happy. Like, like this is absolutely asinine. Like, how do you, how, how like that? That's <laughs> yeah. It's amazing that also, you know, there were sort of rumblings and kind of little bits and pieces coming out years over the years about, about him. Uh, but it, the depth of it, that has come out in the last three months has been staggering. You know, he has been given all of the runway and just crashed off of it. Like the plane from the intro to Goldeneye. (laughs) Uh, For COVID James. No, (laughs) for me. (laughs) And it is all about him. You know, you kind of knew it was that way anyways, when we liked him, like you were kind of willing to 
suspend some like, yeah, you know, you're just a kind of pompous guy. You're a star player. Yeah. A little not like he was within the bounds of acceptable public narcissism. And then just, he said, ah, amps go to 11 and went insane with it. Like, ah, I think the NHL sort of needed this (laughs) in a weird way. Like this is such a juicy, crazy story. Like, I don't know. I hate it, but also it's incredible. This is where we're at. We just don't have more things to say other than <laughs> laughing and making funny noises about Evander Kane. Like that that's where we've gotten to with this. We've talked about him so much. I I what other sports scandal players can we combine to make Evander Kane? Think, like that's kind of a bit, isn't it? I think his name is tattooed on my voice box at this point. <laughs> like speaking of diatribes. Yeah. Ryan uh Ryan. We go from bad diatribe about player we don't like anymore unfortunately to good diatribe but player we very much like yeah there's i think there's something a little wrong with you if you don't love robin later i mean he can have some bad takes sometimes yeah and he's been openly wrong uh but the story he has to tell right now is prescient and means a lot to a lot of people he came out on twitter earlier this week and kind of just let fly uh like kind of partially in defense of jack eichel Mm -hmm. and his treatment with the sabers organization he shared an image of his ankle which had been destroyed in a game and Mm -hmm. then talked about how the recovery from that injury went because of the sabers medical staff Mm -hmm. how how it didn't go yeah how horribly wrong it went um and it all he also called out Alain Vigneault about uh not his treatment of players specifically, but also that he's kind of he a, a dinosaur. So he's the treatment of players under his watch. Yes. And his allegations were specifically that players were given benzodiazepines and um ambient off prescription. And as means of fighting off injuries. Right. These are the drugs that have killed other NHLers when in combination with alcohol, other painkillers. And like, countless Americans. Exactly. Uh, so obviously these are very dangerous. You know, I I can see how the culture around these drugs, around professional athletes, kind of develops is like oh you all have a prescription for them well then let's hand them out like m&ms you know I, I get how it works behind the scenes but when you have a medical staff and doctors that are just totally in the pocket of the organization and are willing to do everything the the organization asks above and beyond ethical constraints um you get these situations where players are put in danger and you know, some of them, we have seen deaths. We've seen deaths from this inactive NHLers. We have Derek Bugard, you have other fighters that have died. Um, you know, there's suicides that saying that there's no danger around something like this would be completely off base. And we already know that, America is an over-medicated 
nation and there is a resilient or a reliance on medication to solve problems mm-hmm. that other nations, uh, specifically Europe, don't have um, where like they have alternative takes on how to help mental and physical health. We have legal weed. That's that's been the most. So does a lot of Europe. <laughs> oh, no. uh, that's been that's been like the biggest innovation in American, yeah. you know, pain care in the last five years. I can get years. CBD at New Seasons. Um, right? Can I get actual health care? No. No. <laughs> can I get an MRI? Ooh, no. But we gave you, but we gave you legal weed in like fourteen states. Yeah, and uh, you know, probably all of the. All the fucking fentanyl and opioids that you want. You know, it, <laughs> but with regards to Robin Lehner and uh, Jack Eichel, you know, we, we've covered this before. It's been talked about ad nauseum elsewhere. You know, Jack Eichel wants a surgery that is going to allow him to theoretically be able to move as a human being should now and in the future. Whereas the surgery that the Sabres want him to get is prescribed for now and will in the future greatly limit his mobility and ability to, you know, like bounce a grandson on his knee or whatever the hell you want to say. Yeah. It's a, it's a a cervical replacement versus cervical fusion. One of which has much better short term. He can be functional faster, but he will have far worse long-term consequences. Whereas as actually most doctors have that have started to weigh in on this have said like, you're going to probably heal just as fast from a replacement and have a much better long-term quality of life. Yeah. And granted the, the replacement surgery is newer. So, and there's less known about it, but the little we know, not the little, the, what we know about that is far better than what we know about the long history of the the fusion surgery. And the fact that the Sabres are like holding to the, like, it, ju- it really just makes no sense. Yeah. So one, one big crack of the back goes out to Jack Eichel. Yeah, we are wholeheartedly in the Jack Eichel camp on this one. And... Hopefully, if he does end up getting traded, he says, guess what? I'm not playing for you either unless you let me get this surgery. I would think, I mean, he has no trade clause, right? Or no, Starting it next it, year. yeah, it doesn't kick in. So he can't, he can't screen teams for right. their willingness for him to undergo this surgery. But, but he can make it known. I will not play for you unless you allow me to get this surgery because this is what I need to be able to function for the rest of my life. And I would think that other teams with better medical staffs than the Buffalo Sabres are willing to provide um, will probably easily choose what seems like the best choice for both of them. Yeah. Either way, kudos to Robin Lehner for being like one of the few people who is still in the game mm-hmm. and a prominent player in the, in the NHL to speak out about this. Yeah. Robin Laner's fresh takes from coming from someone that's on a roster and playing heavy games like, and might be the Vesna favorite this year. He's my Vesna favorite this year. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Thank God for him and his willingness to speak up and say the things that need to be said. Okay, well, now that we've gotten all this drudgery out of the way, 
it's time for the season preview. The preamble which, is over. Let's get to the full bill of rights. Which will partially also be drudgery. But, you know, happy drudgery. That that makes sense, right? Happy because we're getting hockey. Per, like, not preseason. We are getting regular season hockey a week from today. Uh, last year, we kind of did a standard season preview, I think. Um kind of talked about the pros and cons and went through a bunch of teams and we're going to do a little bit of that this year, but I think mostly it's just going to be jokes. So also last year we got a rehash. Like it was also a weird, like we don't know if the season's going to happen, then it's going to happen. And then it was starting in this like sort of truncated form with not even the same conferences and divisions we have now. So like, we had no idea how the yeah. playoffs were going to happen. Right. We were like, uh, we'll call these two divisions the West and uh, these two divisions the East. And maybe they'll we'll play see. some point. Yeah. You know, and we're talking about, you know, far different COVID situations and procedures from where we stand today. Like, this is maybe the most normal season preview we've been able to make as a podcast since we started. So, uh, you know, we're going to do what we can with it and have a good time. So we'll start off with uh, uh, something that we kind of we used last year. Uh, we're going to do our top three, bottom three. This is just kind of a ranking of the top three teams uh, in these in the process of doing this. I get kind of the obvious ones out of the way. And then Evan comes in and enlightens us with some some more refined takes. So for our top three teams, um, for me, I'm just, I'm going to roll with Tampa until they prove me. Otherwise uh, they're the two time defending Stanley cup champion. They lost a ton of talent and they just kind of didn't even bat an eye. No, uh, they get Nikita Kucherov all year this year. Uh, Tampa is a buzzsaw and will be for the next year to three before they Easily. have to yeah. before they have to really pay their dues in terms of like salary cap but you know they've cranked it up and uh really made some good additions they've been very smart with their salary cap and they fucking signed cory perry and you know what cory perry does he, he gets, gets you to the finals he has he doesn't win when he gets you to the finals but he gets you there right uh this year i think Bold prediction, Corey Perry gets a cup. Ooh, okay. All right. Well, spoiler alert. Um, I think the second best team uh, until proven otherwise is Colorado. Uh, they they did suffer some losses. They mm-hmm. lost Brandon Saad, uh, Jonas Donskoy, Philip Grubauer. They replaced Philip Grubauer with Darcy Kemper. Uh, Colorado, however, like... They're just they're stacked to the gills that the, mm-hmm. like those losses just means a expanded role for Alex Newhook. It means an expanded role for Bowen Byram. Yeah, he's coming up like they've drafted really well and have a good talent pool. So, you know, whereas Tampa has been kind of on the further end of cup contention as they've won these cups, they don't have much in the bank. Uh Colorado has quite a bit in the reserves and we may see some really interesting performances this year. You highlight new hook, you know, Bowen Byram, very interesting. Um, you know, so we'll see Uh, Darcy Kemper, I think is probably going to be the biggest like 
question that needs to be answered early in the season is what is he behind them? Uh, all indications are that he'll be very good. If he stays healthy, I think he'll be deep in the Vesna conversation. Deep in the Vezina. <laughs> uh, so as a third team, I'm going to kind of go out of here as like not my top three teams, but I'm going to quantify this. I like it. And say a team that I think will vastly exceed common expectations. And I'm going to go with New Jersey. Okay. The Devils, obviously, they added Dougie Hamilton, who is a Norris candidate, is probably the best offensive defenseman in the league, and is also a sneakily good defensive defenseman. And one of the best museum patrons that (laughs) the league has to offer. They added Tomas Tatar, who is has one of the best five on five uh, uh, expected goals for uh ratings in the league um, how he has been treated by his previous team franchises <laughs> defies my sensibilities yeah. i don't nobody i don't know maybe he has like irredeemably bad body odor or something but i don't understand why he has been basically on the shelf for the last 2 years in for teams that fucking needed him they needed his scoring his creativity badly he's not that much of a defensive liability that he couldn't no, fucking suit up for montreal like uh, yes he will be a very awesome and welcome addition to that team and uh my beautiful baby jack hughes is i think primed and prepped for a big year yeah and they brought in jonathan bernier we talked about him a little bit in mm-hmm. the miles blackwood section earlier but Bernier was sneakily, and I say sneakily because n- nobody thinks anything good came out of the last two seasons <laughs> in Detroit, but he was a sneakily very good goalie in Detroit the oh, yeah. last two years. And he's been a really good soldier everywhere he's been. Yeah. It, remarkably consistent, actually. He said he wanted to stay in Detroit. Detroit had other ideas, traded for Alex Nedeljkovic, wanted to get younger at the position, which I totally understand. Also, that was... The Red Wings picking on Carolina being dumb. That That's Steve Eiserman having something on every single GM in the NHL. Well, that was, no, I mean, that was situational. He can't. Like, be- I don't think they believe, I don't think, I think they, I don't think Alex Ndelkovic was part of the plan. I think he was like something that popped up and he was like, oh, yes, yes, we'll do this. And now you have a, yeah, maybe we're looking at like a Calder contender rookie goaltender we'll see he is he is eligible for the calder this year uh if he wins the calder in detroit as a goalie then um i i will marry him <laughs> he, he won't will, want it but i will marry you him. will cheat on dylan larkin with him or you'll like have like a thruple it's a, it's a like uh you know a, a, it's gonna be a polyamorous yeah, thing yeah like open table poly thruple don't ever use that word again that's terrible uh i think so, I, I mean, the the Metropolitan is going to be brutal. There are so many good teams <laughs> oh God, yes. in that division. I'm not saying New Jersey is going to make the playoffs. No, I don't the Metro think is do brutal, either. and I, I don't think they actually make the playoffs. God, if they did, though. Holy shit, right? But what I do think is they're going to be more competitive every night, and I do think they're going to be right on, like, as we get 
to the last like month of the playoffs, mm-hmm. we're going to watch New Jersey have a chance. I don't think they make it, but I do think that they are going to be that team that really has a shot at making the playoffs. Yeah, and you know, if their GM shows Blackwood enough pictures of how beautiful Montreal architecture is, maybe he can get them to get the shot and then they can get two full goalies the whole rest of the season and uh you know really compete. Um so Speaking of Florida. Yeah, speaking of Florida. <laughs> I think they're they're a better team than they ended last year as. They've been one of the kind of clear upgrades. You know, they've landed Sam Reinhart. Uh they're getting Spencer Knight in place of lost Chris Dreiger to Seattle with Joe Quenville behind the bench. Like I think Florida really yeah, I think they win their division. And then get upset in the playoffs. Yeah, I, I think that team, you know, played Tampa really hard. Probably learned a lot from that experience. And I think they're going to have a whole season in which they upgraded to kind of, you know, do really well. I think they do pretty well in the regular season. And then eventually, I think they kind of flame out in the playoffs, just get beat by probably Tampa. Because they're like forced to play Bobrovsky and like ten million dollars. Yeah, and you know, he could be kind of sheltered in the regular season. He'd probably play fine minutes. Um the Knight versus Bobrovsky situation, how that plays out, I think will be one of the more interesting storylines in the league because they're both really talented. The question is where they're talent is going to be applied this year how it's going to be applied sadly this is the last year that florida panthers have to pay loberto ruango <laughs> italian businessman loberto ruango ah oh, happy trails to his <laughs> i will kill this fly i will kill it with my spite i have like a begrudging respect for this fucker we cannot get it uh oh we'll we'll give it a viking funeral but i i will kill this fly what were you saying? Sorry, I lost my train of thought. Uh, <laughs> no, this, this Vegas Islanders, Florida. This fly is actually really the stealing the show. It's actually the highlight of the podcast. Uh, RE New Jersey, I want them to do really well. I don't buy the hype train yet. Like, they're still super young. They yeah. don't have a whole lot of defensively responsible players. You know, they can, they look like a team that's going to win some track meets, maybe. Uh, but when people get too close, Mackenzie Blackwood takes off his helmet and just starts coughing. (laughs) So other contenders that we haven't really addressed outside of Colorado, Tampa, uh, Vegas will, I think easily win the Pacific and have another deep playoff run. Uh, they've also added some talent, seen some talent depart. You know, I think on balance, they're more or less the same team that they left off as last year they lost flurry the vesna winner and i think they probably have the next vesna winner in robin laner he's gonna hopefully stay healthy the whole season through what looks to be the biggest workload of his career and that kind of scares me a little bit but he's so talented that team is so good you know if he plays all the games that he is scheduled to play i think he's one of the shoe-ins for the vesna you know there's nobody to even close to challenge them at the Pacific. They are going to run roughshod over that division and just put up 
insane amounts of points in very few competitive games. There's a good chance that we see Vegas as the president's trophy winners this year. Yeah, it it seems like a really good bet to make. The other team that I am this they feature both on rooting for and I think uh prediction wise, I think the Islanders take a step. Uh I think, you know, they've also on balance acquired talent more than I think they've let leave. And uh Lou's got a good thing going. They've got two great goaltenders. They've got a budding star in Matthew Barzal. I think this is maybe their year. They've looked the part the last two years, made it pretty deep in the playoffs, taken Tampa to seven, not quite made it. But uh, yeah, I, th- I think that the Islanders win their division and make a deep run in the playoffs. Uh, so... Let's pivot now to teams that will not make a deep run in any playoffs. Let's just get these two out of the way first. Uh, Buffalo and Arizona suck. Oh, man. You don't think they're going to be good? They're going to be so fucking bad. Uh, like so bad that I really don't want to get into too much detail with either of them. <laughs> too like, bad that I so bad that I like feel for the players I like on both teams. Yes. Arizona is trying to be bad. Like, yeah. Actively trying to be bad. They're tanking like they've already sold off so much asset at such good prices that they have they're staring at a pretty strong draft with a huge slew of picks no doubt they sell again throughout the season and at the deadline because they still have players to sell those two teams are clearly the worst in the league kevin adams i think he's just doing whatever he can to keep the bus full of school children from careening off the cliff and into a gulch um, like that is some crazy driving. Yeah, like, that is some like, you know, I'm bringing aid to the most remote part of Pakistan along a mountain road kind of driving. Yeah. And it's ultimately going to fail. Uh, will history repeat itself where they got Jack Eichel instead of Connor McDavid and they get whomever is chosen second after Shane Wright this year? Maybe. I don't know. But uh, they're fucking terrible. And so we'll see what happens. Yeah. And then Owen Power just plays out his entire contract at Michigan. Instead of naming like the obvious shittiest team in the league, uh, I'm going to go with a team that I think on the flip side of New Jersey, who I think will impress uh, a team that I think will disappoint is Mm -hmm. Philadelphia. Philadelphia. I think, uh, you know, sorry to my like one Philadelphia Flyers friend (laughs) fan or no, I have two actually. We we have a couple of Flyers fans, I think. Yeah. Listen. Yeah. I have two. Uh, they're both like beautiful gentlemen. Um, however, uh, I think Philadelphia is destined for a down year this year. Um, after sort of having a down year last year. Yes. Uh, I don't know that it'll be as bad as last year, but you know, they have this cycle of missing and then making the playoffs. I don't think they make the playoffs this year. They did a lot to remake their team. Uh, they traded Jake Voracek for cam Atkinson, which is a trade up. trade. I liked, I like as well. However, uh, and they traded for Ryan Ellis for Nolan Patrick, basically another trade. Um, we liked, however, uh, Rasmus Ristolainen, Keith Yandel, the man who crashes um, into his own boards. Yeah, at Keith Yandel, who should only play a power play at this point in his Which, career. I assume 
the, yeah, they handled Eric Gustafson. I assume they know what they're getting in Keith Yandel. So I only, I, I, like, Elaine Vigneault will deploy Keith Yandel the way he needs to be deployed. But Rasmus Ristolainen is a defensive liability wrapped up as a defensive specialist. And because he doesn't bring anything going forward either. And he, you know, sometimes skates full bore into his own boards and takes himself out of the play. Like they've had some really ugly give ups in the defensive zone in the preseason. And people that are looking at them are saying, "Ooh, this is not looking good. But they're choosing to focus on Keith Yandel saying thank you to Carter Hart whenever Carter Hart plays the puck uh, to Keith Yandel. So he can break it out. Yeah, exactly. Um, That speaking of goalies like Carter Hart, they re-signed him as they should have. Like, don't get me wrong there. He's super young still. It was the only clearly a talented player. It was the only play that could make. And I think like I'm with you that re-signing him looks like the wrong play by the end of this year. Re-signing him. You know, they had to. Right. And they dealt him to to their could have tried to deal him. They signed him for under four mil a year and for only three more years. Mm-hmm. So like he's still in R- yeah, he's still an RFA at the end of this contract. So I like it's a good contract, but it's not a good contract when you know, say whatever you want about Brian Elliott. Like, is he probably past a time where he should be playing NHL games? Yes. Yeah. Is he I'll ask you this question, is he better than Martin Jones? Uh, infinitely yeah and that's another one of the things that we haven't talked about yet with this team that we think will regress again is they've signed one of the worst starting goalies in the nhl to be their backup if anything happens to carter hart and that includes just not being good your backup is martin jones who is definitively not good yeah brian elliott partially kept their season alive last year partially uh, but uh, as alive as he could have been, you know, he's sort of like, so bad. yeah, he was sort of like a salmon right before it spawns and he's like mostly dead, but still trying to do his job. I I think their defense could be solid. Like Provorov and Ryan Ellis as a first pair is awesome. Scintillating. If not Sanheim on the second pair, I really like Travis Sanheim. Mm-hmm. Um, we'll see what happens with Rasmus versus the lion in. Their third pair is going to be Justin Braun and Keith Yandel, which is um, who? <laughs> yeah, um, uh huh. And and then you know they they desperately need Kevin Hayes and Travis Konechny to bounce back this year if they have any hope of like having a playoff run or making the playoffs. They need those two guys to really pick it up. They were both pretty much disastrous for their for players of their caliber last year so i think philly i i apologize philly fans besides the obvious choices ottawa struggles i think we've talked about that already enough probably yeah yes columbus will be bad enough said new coach traded your best kind of like makes nothing into something guy in cam atkinson for a kind of power forward that you need possession to kind of activate in Jacob Voracek. I mean, Jacob Voracek still has tread on his tires, but that fit to me says underperform. Um, You lost your goalie in the future who died in the off season. 
and you have two, maybe one B goalies, one A, may, it, it, I don't know, one B plus goalies. How would you qualify Merz Lickens and, and uh, Corp Sala? I think they're both solid, uh, if not spectacular. They and can like overperform. We'll see how they do outside of the Tortorella. Yeah. And you have a, a new coach. You have Patrick Line, like, who. He doesn't play defense, but will he score? I don't see a whole lot of good things happening for that team this year. They don't have a single credible center on that entire roster. No, Max Domi is bad. And uh, they don't have anyone in the wings, really. At all. You know, like Jack Roslovic might be good, but they have Cole Sillinger. I mean, but he's 18. Like, you can't. Is he even going to play? In the NHL this I don't, year? I don't think so. As we addressed before, I don't think San Jose is going to be very good. And I think maybe this is the time that the tires really fall off of this kind of duct tape together Geo Metro that's of giant fucking contracts. It's a Geo Metro filled with diamonds that has been rolling down the interstate for too long at 10 miles under the speed limit. And I think this is the year that it finally crashes and burns and Brent burns, you know, maybe you have some good performance out of Carlson burns, but I think Evander Kane is a drag on that entire team. I think hurdle wants out. I don't think anybody's going to try. I think they've all been distracted in the off season. The team hasn't done anything to kind of pivot from Kane and like, I don't see that going away anytime soon because it seems to get worse every week. It's like, what could you even bet on Evander Kane's situation getting worse? Like, I don't want to. Like, unless there's some type of felony involving a gun or like, no, the next thing we see is like him dressed up in a fucking Nazi uniform or (laughs) like. Like it, it, it can't like how, where can it go from here? I agree. I, I think San Jose, and, you know, this is like a pre precursor to a later segment, but yeah, your two best players are probably Evander Kane and Thomas Hurdle and one won't be there and one doesn't want to be there. And it's yeah. basically been told by the organization that he doesn't, he, he won't be there. And all of your other players that used to be good when you were in contention are either gone or washed up i mean has anyone maybe heard from pickles lately no he's he's awful now he's he's just like a complete shell of himself like mark edward vlasic like yeah uh, logan couture has missed a ton of games the last well missed a couple a ton of games two years ago yeah he's still with three games he only had 31 points in 53 games he's still productive when he plays but yeah, he's missed time and he uh, doesn't, you know, he doesn't do super well without a supporting cast. He went from 70 points in 81 games to 39 and 52 and then 31 and 53. Like mm-hmm. the dude has fallen off a cliff. He's old. He's old and small he's, and small players don't age well. Yeah, he's 32. Um, all of their best players have, or all of their bad contracts have no trade clauses. Like... And, uh, you know, oh, they got rid of Martin Jones. Who do they replace him with? I do think James Reimer is an upgrade, but only because 
everybody would be an upgrade over <laughs> Martin Jones. Your average beer league goalie would have been an upgrade over Martin Jones. The Sharks are going to be beached and maybe exploded this year if they beach themselves in Oregon. One can hope. All right, let's pivot then. Things we are rooting for. Uh, yes, the the, like, the beautiful things in the game that we hope continue. Ah, the fly. Um, I'm rooting for us to kill this fucking fly. I'm fucking murder that fly. <laughs> I'll get mine out of the way first. Um, I'm also fully in support of yours. I want Josh Hosang to play for the Leafs this year. Hell fucking yeah. His story is one of, honestly, like, just a very misunderstood person, I think. Misunderstood player. Yeah. And, and, and you know, I've read tons of articles. I read probably like 15 articles just about him, just taught wanting to like put this on the, this episode of the podcast. Mm. And I, I spent more time reading about Josh Hosang than any other part of the, every other part of this podcast combined. Fuck yeah. This episode. Everything I've read seems to say that he's going to start the season with the Marlies. He's probably not going to make the the parent club right out of the gate. He's also had a fairly solid preseason. He hasn't super impressed, but he hasn't disappointed. And everything I've read also points to the Toronto organization, both A, being really excited for his future, and B, having the pieces in place to really unlock the best of Josh I'm saying, mm-hmm. which, you know, if you remember what he did in juniors, he was insane. He, like, yeah. he was just unreal good. And then he had his sort of infamous cup of coffee with the Islanders in which he, you know, was late to a meeting and then got like, Lou Lamorello just was like, all right, you're never playing here again. Like, yeah, yeah, very short leashed and did not seem like he was treated with, the same gloves that a lot of other, you know, talents of his caliber are treated with in the league. Yeah. And so they're, Oh shit. He's dead. I got him. Oh, he's fucking dead. Not Joshua saying he's not dead. The fly is dead. Sweet mother of nectar of God. I told you we'd get it sometime in the episode. That fucking fly. (laughs) I leaving all of the fly bits into this episode. Um, so, (laughs) Going back to Josh saying though, there wasn't a better landing spot for Josh saying than signing a PTO with Toronto. I love it. Love the signing. Love the opportunity he's going to be get getting. It's like it, uh, offensively minded team, insane offensive talent. They're going to have problems playing defense, but that's not what you watch Toronto Maple Leafs hockey for this year. Is exactly. it? <laughs> he uh, th- Toronto also uh, has a more resources than probably any team in the league. They have a young GM that kind of gives a shit, uh, who watched him play in juniors. Yeah. Uh, they have a coach who saw him in juniors and they also, but they also have that structure Mm -hmm. and the player development staff to really like put Josh into a position to succeed. Yeah. They are a premier team where, Unfortunately for him, the Islanders were sort of a backwater team and had to kind of behave as such. And that's yes. one of the reasons that <laughs> Lamorello is kind of the uh, uh, iron-fisted GM that he is. He is a very successful yet very he's – a, he's a curmudgeon. 
mm-hmm. of the NHL aristocracy. Yeah, heaven forbid you want a beard. Or, like, you have a visible tattoo or a smell. I don't know. <laughs> like, have a sense of... I don't know. He he's <laughs> A just, sense of humor. Yeah. <laughs> gets you kicked off the fucking team. Yeah, poor Matt Barzell. Um, <laughs> I... I I really hope that Josh Hosang gets like 20 games with Toronto this year with, yeah. with the parent club and really just proves himself worthy of an NHL contract next season. Yeah, absolutely pulling for this guy. Like he's, he's our project. He's our, our, our guy we're rooting for above all else this year. Yeah. Like, you know, he's got a fan in us. Uh, we're, if anybody deserves something good to come their way this year, I think it's Josh Hosang and hopefully it comes to him in Toronto. And at the end of the season, we're revisiting this and I see the other fucking fly. Uh, but in hopefully in the end of this, we're or at the end of the season, we're revisiting this and saying, wow, he had a really great year. Um, and so that's, that's what I'm rooting for. That's the main thing I'm rooting for. You know, Going back to his kind of tenure on Long Island, like Lou Lamorello is is a hard ass. By all measures that most people say he's relatively fair. They have a current offensive wizard in Matt Barzell with, you know, some of the best fashion sense and flow in the league. And he just looks amazing when he's on the ice. Uh, so I'm rooting for the New York Islanders to make a deeper Stanley cup playoff run and make it to the finals. If not win the cup this year, they've got two really good goalies. They've added some interesting talent, some ways in off in the off season, you know, they brought in Zach Parise who might be a really interesting addition for them in that system of defensive forwarding and shot blocking. Uh, so that's one of the things I'm rooting for. I'm rooting for Anders Lee, especially. Yeah. Like, he was having a great year before he got hemmed down by injury last year. So yeah, he got awesome knocked to... out of the playoffs, basically. Well, he got, yeah, he got knocked out of the season with about a month left. Mm-hmm. Uh, really, I, I really like him as a player. He's kind of like that hyper-skilled but also super gritty type of guy. Mm-hmm. Um, him on a first line with Matthew Barzal is going to be awesome. Yeah. Uh, so rooting for him. Like, I don't know if I'm rooting for the Islanders to win the cup, but I'm definitely with you on that. It would be awesome to see them just make a nice run, Mm -hmm. Uh, you know, get to the finals. That'd be cool. They're forever the underdogs in New York. And despite being the significantly better team. Right. You know, so very much rooting for them in that fashion. My next kind of what we're rooting for is, uh, player specific i am rooting for kirby doc to have the breakout season that we all thought he would have last year before he broke his wrist badly right before the season in the junior uh junior championships practices he's a amazing talent uh giant giraffe of a hockey player that you know can kind of do everything and yeah, just rooting for him to kind of make up some lost time and, and really show the world that, you know, he's what we thought he was the year before when he had an amazing rookie campaign. Uh, also, staying in the central, 
very much rooting for the Minnesota uh, Kirill Kaprizov renaissance to continue. The Kaprenaissance, if you will. I don't like that, but we'll go with it. I don't like it either, but uh, it was <laughs> too juicy not to say. Yeah, it's another team that you root for. It's kind of, quote unquote, state of hockey. And they finally signed the guy that has only played 55 games for them to a giant lucrative contract. And I think he has a chance to kind of turn the notch up a little bit. I'm hoping he has a chance to turn it up a little bit. Like that team had some kind of instability in the off season where they lost their hometown guys, kind of got rid of them. You sort of saw a little bit of a new versus old culture war bit where they lost these guys at like significant cost to the team. And it's truly just Kaprizov's team now. And I hope they, they go gangbusters. Like that would be super awesome if Kapokapakinen like really shows the potential that he's shown and Cam Talbot has a good year. Like they could be really good. So I'm rooting for that to happen. But mostly the biggest thing that I'm rooting for this year is Phil Kessel to take full advantage of the Arizona Coyotes' uh, non Arizona Coyotes, you know, going away from a dress code, and I want him to wear a giant hot dog suit to a game and troll the fuck out of the Toronto media. Well, I think Phil Kessel's continued existence trolls the fuck out of the Toronto media. Yeah, but like. He won the cup and he put hot dogs in it on the golf course. Like, let's keep doing it, Phil. Like, just keep keep rolling with the hot dog meme and just keep sticking it to Toronto. All right. Who wins what? Uh, people win stuff. I predict uh, I, gosh, I, I predict I, it. I this podcast is done. That's the <laughs> most uh, like yeah. obvious or mo- the clearest answer we've ever had. Can't lose. Um, go ahead, Evan. Why don't you? So I think I was getting this at, yeah, I think I was getting at this earlier. Uh, I think Florida wins the Atlantic and then gets upset in the playoffs and doesn't make it past the first or second round. Um, pulling for and think the New York Islanders will win the Metro. Uh, I pretty sure that Colorado is going to win the central barring, a serious upset somewhere in there. I wouldn't even know how to pick the next contender out of that. Like, I don't think Winnipeg's a real deal. It's clearly uh, Coyotes. <laughs> I think like, I sort of I don't say I, this. I'm sort of thinking that the Blackhawks experiment kind of blows up in their face. Uh, I I will say this. I think Winnipeg might be the second best team in the Central. Uh, they made some very smart decisions uh, mm-hmm. with players uh, in this offseason. Yeah, got Nate Schmidt, got, you know, uh, still have probably the Vezina, the other Vezina guy I, I was having a hard time second, putting on the net and putting on, on second best yeah. goalie in the league in Connor Hellebuck. He might be the best goalie in the league. <sighs> Vasilevsky is so good. I know, but uh, yeah. Uh, but yeah. 
yeah, the central, like it has Dallas, it has Minnesota, it has St. Louis as kind of like, damn, missed it, uh, as that like possible second team. Uh, but um, I I think Winnipeg takes second in the central this year. I really think they do. I think so too. Uh, I think that's the most probable spot for them. But continue, sorry. But yeah, Colorado, they're they're a class of talent above everyone else, and they didn't really lose anything in the offseason. So they're hungry. Nathan McKinnon has his nutrition tuned. He's got his chickpea pasta working overdrive, and he is keeping all of his teammates away from In-N-Out Burger after games. Like... Colorado is a machine and until they win a cup, I think they will basically be this machine or like until they win a cup or until it blows up somehow. Until they have to pay Nathan McKinnon like $11 million a year in two years. Yeah. That's, that's their window. And I think until that happens, like they are going to run deep in the playoffs unless they get upset. Like they kind of have found themselves get upset the last couple of years. Uh, the Pacific, I think I alluded to this earlier. I think Vegas runs roughshod over that entire entire division. Um, I think they make it deeper than people are thinking this year, but uh, you know they also have spent a lot of money to keep that group together. We'll see how it works out with Robin Lehner. I think that's going to be the big question if Robin Lehner stays healthy. They brought in Laurent Brossois, one of the best French-Canadian names in all of hockey, uh, to back him up. And he's also one of the best backup goalies in all of hockey. So I think that combination of goalies isn't that much of a downgrade from Marc-Andre Fleury and Robin Lehner. Um, For me, uh, I'm almost completely simpatico with Evan in this. The only difference I have is I think Tampa retains mm-hmm. the Atlantic in okay. the regular season. Wins it outright. Yeah. Islanders, Colorado, Vegas. I'm right there with all of those. I think they're clearly the obvious favorites. And especially Vegas, I really don't see anybody challenging them in the Pacific. Like I think no. they'll win the division by 10 points over Edmonton. Like it's easily. It's, it, I, I don't think it's going to be remotely close. Edmonton might be closer. But you know who won't be closer is the team after Edmonton. Yeah, they'll be they might win the Pacific by 10 over Edmonton and by 30 points over the next team. Um so yeah, conference victors. I'm going with Colorado in the West and Tampa in the East. I think Tampa wins it out in the playoffs. I think they kind of, you know, sandbag the regular season sort of like they did this year and then turn it on the playoffs when they need to. That team has the killer instinct. They have all the talent they need. They're in the middle of their cup window. You know, they're going to do what it needs, to, what needs to be done. And then Colorado is also in the middle of their cup window and is the hungry team. If not hungrier after two years of kind of tasting some really significant success and then flaming out in the playoffs, like, I'm not really willing willing to bet against Nathan McKinnon uh, in three years of of betting for Nathan McKinnon. Like he seems like a man possessed. 
Uh, I have a similar track, but also the exact opposite track. So I am picking Colorado to come out of the West. Um, I think we've been asking for that Colorado. This fucking fly is everywhere. Uh, <laughs> well, it's not. The, it's not the original fly. We have a new fly. We, yeah, dos flies. Um, we. I, I think. Colorado, we've been waiting for a Colorado Vegas Western Conference final for two years and we haven't gotten it. And I think this is the year that we get it out of the East. I'm going to say the exact opposite. I have Tampa winning the Atlantic, but I think Florida actually ends up coming out of the East. Why? I think Spencer Knight ends up being mm. legit as fuck mm-hmm. AF, as the kids say. On, Showed it in the playoffs on, last year on TikTok. Um, <laughs> I think that we see uh, I think we see Florida actually kind of just like will themselves through the playoffs. They've got a deep roster. They're solid defensively. And Spencer Knight, I think, ends up just proving that he is like legitimately the dude. And uh, so I see a Florida Colorado Cup final. Yeah. So for the cup, I think we get a Tampa three peat. You know, they still have basically the Iser power on that team. Like the, that and team was Julian assembled. Julian Brisbois is no joke either. Right. So, yeah, I think Tampa three-peats. Boring. I'm sorry. Uh, you're going to notice a trend for me with Colorado picks, and I didn't do this on purpose. And when I finished, I was like, oh, Wow. That sucks because I hate like, <laughs> lumping things in. But uh, Colorado, I have Colorado winning the cup. I think I had them winning the cup last year. Finally, I don't remember, but I think this is the year. Like Finally the, the getting over happens. the mountain, if you will. No, I will. <laughs> I will not. Finally coming down the mountain like an avalanche as she comes. <sighs> Who's your fucking caller pick? <laughs> Uh, Cole Caulfield. Uh, I am going right down the middle with Calder pick. He's kind of the pretty boy pick for this. You know, America's short king, uh, Wisconsinite. Yeah, I, I trapped in Montreal. I think Montreal kind of stumbles this year, but he has an insane year. He's just going to sit on the edge of their power play and pick off goalies one by one uh and also you know generate a lot of offense i mean he's he's not he's not alex ovechkin he doesn't need to sit on the corner of a power play and pick people off but like he's also really good at that so his abilities as a rush guy and a spot-up shooter i think really put him in in the calder conversation i mean I have actually Alex Newhook, yeah. I think, is going to win the Calder this year. He, oh, that's your pick. Yeah, that's my pick. Uh, he's on a very talented team. He's, Insanely talented. He's team. going to be the 3C and maybe the 2C if he really impresses. Uh, I, lo- I like Nazem Kadri as a player, but I could see if Newhook <laughs> is really good moving up oh, to the 2C. Oh, y- you're telling me that you can see a situation in which Nazem Kadri maybe doesn't play several games in a row and opens up a, a, a opening for a player below him? Well, by George, for Hart Trophy, I go right down the middle again, Connor McJesus. Like, he did it this year. He'll do it next year. 
don't do it the year again. Like it, it's the lamest bet that you could make because it's the most obvious year after year. Like he's just that good at hockey. For my heart pick, I'm picking Jack. I- I'm just fucking kidding. It's not Jack Eichel. I'm going to go with Nikita Kucherov. Though. I love it. He is a all. He's already won one. He is reportedly fully healthy he we saw what he could do in the playoffs 32 points in the playoffs last year on a stacked ass team i think he hits roughly 115 to 120 points this year in a full season i think hands down nikita kucherov is is the the pick for the heart this year yeah if anybody is gonna beat Connor mcdavid out for the heart trophy like it's going to be a full year of full power Nikita Kucherov. That's who's a good your, pick. He's who's a, your shitty-ass Norris Trophy <laughs> pick? <laughs> You've been making this joke for months, so you probably should have should have seen this coming. But uh, I didn't want to. When the Blackhawks traded Adam Boquist and also an entire farm for Seth Jones uh, and then paid him one King's Ransom for his future services as a hockey player... They basically set him up to be Norris or bust. Like if he doesn't live up to his sort of previous potential as a Norris trophy candidate, like it's going to be an absolute hell to pay in the Chicago hockey team media. I'm going with Seth Jones for Norris. Uh, I think he kind of fuck yous everyone that has been hating on him and uh, finally shows that he was, I mean, He's been a good prospect. He's been stuck in Columbus with torts and with just the weight of shit that happens when you play for John Tortorella. So, yeah, uh, I'm going to go with Seth Jones for Norris. Let me tell you why you're wrong. Um, I'm very wrong. Like, this is the flimsiest fucking pick. I'm going to go with chalk here and Mm -hmm. I'm going to go with Cal McCarr. And you're absolutely going to be if Cal McCarr had been healthy all last season. No disrespect to Adam Fox, who had an incredible season, but he sort of should have won the Norris. But like if Cal McCarr was healthy the whole year last year, he wins the Norris without uh, a doubt as a what? 21 year old. We're staring in the face. A potential 10 year dominance of Cal McCarr winning the Norris trophy. Like, I'm not going to go like ape shit and say he wins the most ever. Like, I'm not going to say that, but Cal McCarr is yeah. going to end his career with probably three or four Norris trophies. And I think the first one is this year. He's. Oh, you are so close. Ah, fucker. This fucking fly. Just like Cal McCarr in the Norris last year. Yeah. To say what you're about to say, I think, is a, a slightly bolder prediction. So the Vesna. I've been high on this goalie for a long time. Colorado is an incredible team. They've got a great defensive front in front. Mm-hmm. Like outside of Kamakar, they've got Devon Taves. They've got Sammy Gerrard. They oh, and have, Byram coming up through the ranks. They have a killer, super mobile, highly capable defense in front of Darcy Kemper. Obviously, caveats aside, he hasn't stayed healthy for a full season for a couple of years. He's also been like getting shellacked in Arizona the last couple of years. I think Darcy Kemper shows everybody how incredibly good of a goalie. I've talked about 
Colorado winning the cup this year. And I think the difference is Darcy Kemper. No disrespect to Philip Grubauer, who is an excellent goaltender in his own right. But I think if Colorado gets a full healthy year out of Darcy Kemper, we're looking at some ridiculous stats. That's a good call. Uh, I think I already alluded to this previously, but Robin Lehner, I think, wins the Vezina if he can also stay healthy, too. I mean, you'll notice there's a through thread with any goalie predictions. It's can he stay on the ice? If so, good stats will follow. Uh, but Robin Lehner, you know, taking over a team from Marc-Andre Fleury, last year's Vezina winner, who played in front of a good team, but also balled out. So uh, Robin Lehner absolutely has the capability to do so. And he's a guy we like. We're rooting for him. So I'm just doubling down and rooting for him more. So I threw this on there. Teams that you think will kind of positively surprise this year from wherever they're kind of coming at the season in terms of rankings. Uh, I think the Red Wings are going to actually look pretty good this year. I'll tell you why I disagree, but go for it. I'm kind of basing it on what I've seen in the preseason. Like they've made some pretty significant talent acquisitions. They've had some previous talent acquisitions uh, mature. So I think the additions of Morris Sider, you know, a, a mature Vilp Sedina, and then the addition of Pia Suter kind of, yeah, I think they pay dividends. And I think like this team looks kind of good at moments. And then, you know, shows some moments of being young and, and kind of crummy still. In the same vein, uh, I think the Rangers kind of put it together this year. Um, they don't have the kind of insane level of drama that they were facing last year. So I think minus all of that, with another year under Condre Miller's belt, you know, you still have Shesterkin, you still have Georgiev, like, yeah, you've thrown your kind of coach and GM out and replaced them, but the core of the players and also Artemi Panarin is uh, not subject to as much international intrigue as he was last year. So, yeah, I think you see the Rangers actually maybe make the playoffs in the really, really tough Metro division. I think if the Rangers don't make a, make the playoffs, I think that's a disappointment this year. If I'm going to be perfectly honest, or maybe they're a bubble team and the, you know, next team out looking in. I mean, that's still, that's still good for them. I mean, uh, you know, if, if Kakos takes a step, if Lafreniere looks good and if they, you know, if they look good during the season and miss the playoffs, like, that'll be a bit of a moral victory for them. With the money they invested, with the restructuring that they did, if the Rangers miss the playoffs, I think that is a major disappointment. I mean, yeah, if you're James Dolan, you know, he might just go in and blow it up again if that happens. I think that kind of gets at my next kind of prediction, which is sort of uh, teams I'm planning to see regress. Uh, And that's Carolina. I think Carolina takes a step back this year, whether or not they show that last year was a bit of an overachievement or whether they just sort of step in a puddle and then return to last year's levels next year. I think gutting your goaltending core and bringing in 
all new goaltenders who are all oft injured, who are all oft injured. And I think downgrades from literally everyone they parted yes. with. Um, maybe that's the analytics method failing the sensibility test. I don't know, but I don't see it working. I'm um, with you on this one. Uh, losing Dougie Hamilton is huge. Uh, and who do they replace him with? He who shall not be named. <laughs> um, uh, Tony de Voldemort. There, I think, is going to be a ser- They lost Jake Bean, which I know a lot of. I feel like Carolina fans are kind of like fooling themselves. They're like, oh, Jake Bean wasn't that good. Like, well, he was a so good, fucking he, young. He was a good prospect. And losing Alex and Elkovic, I think, is a bigger bummer than they are willing to admit. When Freddie Anderson and Auntie Ranta are both hurt like six weeks into the season, <laughs> they're going to be like, hey, remember last year when we had three capable goalies? That was great. Yeah. And when uh, that third capable goalie carried us for half the fucking season. Yeah, absolutely. Right with you there on that. And then also, uh, Tony D'Angelo is not very good at defense. And you got rid of Dougie Hamilton, kind of replaced him with Tony D'Angelo. Another team that I think underperforms this year just by virtue of how overperformed they did last year is Montreal. Like they lucked the fuck into making the Stanley cup finals. I'm sorry. Grit determination and good luck, you know, it, and Carey price thinking it was 2017. Yeah. I given the season that Carey price had last year and then the playoffs that Carey price had last year, like, I think it's another up and down year. You know, maybe he'll have moments of amazingness and but I think he also has moments of showing that yeah, he's old and and overpaid. He is who we think he is. Other team I think takes a step back, not in terms of the fact that they are actually bad, but that talent cupboard is just bare is uh Boston. Man, Boston, your baked beans are not spicy right now. Your 2C is Charlie Coyle. Yeah. Who's coming off an injury. Right. Lost so much this offseason. Might get Tuka Rask back at some point. Like, that's the real Goku story this year is Tuka Rask. Like, he's off, got, you know, sent to the other plane of existence, and now he's trying to fly back and play for the Bruins. I can't tell if I like the Linus Olmark move or if i hate it because i, of I the, like the move because of the buffaloness of it like i like the move uh is he a good goalie who yes. was trapped on a shitty team or is he just an okay goalie if he's just an okay goalie boston is screwed i think he's above average uh i think maybe we see linus allmark by be better than tristan jari um oh big proclamation there well Okay, they will both play a fuck ton, so we'll be able to see. But uh, I think they've been overdue for regression, basically on the back of aging Brad Marchand, aging Bergeron, and now Krejci's gone. That's the killer. Yeah. (laughs) David Krejci is honestly one of the least respected players in the NHL based off of like what they actually bring to a team and losing David Krejci was huge. And now he's lighting it up for the European club he's playing for. Of course he is. Yeah. I think, I think Boston's due for aggression. Uh, That brings us to our final segment, which is 
and our 2021 season prognostications. These are inspired by Brian Cook at MGO Blog, who always ends his game previews for Michigan football with three opportunities for me to look stupid. We're going to kind of steal that idea, expand on the amount of opportunities for us to look stupid, and expand it to an entire NHL season. My uh, first prognostication is a big shakeup is going to happen in Dallas after they stumble out of the gate. I think Rick Bownis is going to get fired, and the Stars are going to miss the playoffs for a second straight year, despite a bounce-back year for Tyler Sagan. I just don't think that Dallas really has it this year. I just, the central I think has enough teams to keep them out. And I, think, that's for sure. And I think we see kind of a regression year down in big D. Yeah. I mean, they've added Ryan Suter, who I think was a really good pickup for them. They've got some really good defensemen. Did Ben Bishop die? As far as his hockey career goes, probably um, mm. as a like a living human, no. Okay. I don't know what to make of that team. I'm with you in them underperforming. They have some pretty big expectations, so that speaks to your shakeup possibility. But in my head, like there's also this like nagging chance that they are good. They're going to get a full season of Tyler Sagan. And it's possible. Remember, these are opportunities for me to look stupid. Our our next two center around the Minnesota Wild. The first is that Kirill Kaprizov proves to be underpaid despite his new deal, goes ham on the league, and gets heart consideration after putting up over 100 points in a full 82-game season. I would love to see this happen. His style of play is so fucking exciting. You know, with year he had last year, it would be insane to see where he could take a step at an age 25 season. Oh, did you get it? No, no didn't God damn it. it. Fuck this fly. So yeah, it, I would love to see this. I think it's a great prediction. I think it would be super fun to have this happen this year. Kirill Kaprizov score over a hundred points. Like that would be dope. Uh, my kind of wild angle, not so wild, uh, is that Marco Rossi comes back from his COVID uh, problems and adds something significant to that team and impresses everybody. He was like coming out of the draft, you know, not the odds on favorite, but like up in the top of the odds on favorite to win the Calder and another year of skating on his own retraining, you know, kind of getting ready for this year. He's had a lot of time to look at this year of hockey coming. Um, I think he, you know, he was really sick early on in the year but then I think got healthy later on. So he's been just kind of training. Did you get it? Did you get that? Oh, you fucking fly. I got him. And then he flew out of no, your hand. He's no, there. I saw him fly out. Oh, so close. I hate this. Next prognostication. The Sharks will be the worst team in the Pacific, which is saying a lot because the Pacific gon' suck. Pacific is going to be bad. Anaheim, I think, has a good chance of being the worst team in the Pacific, the worst team in the worst conference. But I think the geriatric nature of the Sharks and also their, like, did their goaltending get better? Yes. Is it good? No. It got uh, like 10% better. Yeah. It's that... still bad. No, it's better. Martin Jones sucks. Uh, James Reimer is a much better goalie than Martin Jones. Is he, like, good? Yeah. He's also yeah, not we'll as see. Dur- he's also not as durable. And uh, is Aiden Hill? Yeah, Aiden Hill's fine. Um, 
Okay. Well, we they're shall both see. better than Martin Jones. Um, so no, I, th- but I think it's not going to be enough. I think the sharks are the worst team in the Pacific. You have a wings prognostication. I'll, I'll, while you're saying this, I'll think of a Blackhawks prognostication. All right. So this, uh, I'm down on the wings. Uh, I, I do think they will be better this year, but I still think they will be one of the five or six worst teams in the league. Hmm. Um, the, my prog- prognostication is that. Jacob Verona is going to miss four seasons four seasons. Jacob Verona is he's going to miss a very fancy hotel uh, or a very bad landscaping place <laughs> where Rudy Giuliani jerks off in front of uh, <laughs> Jacob Verona goes full Rudy Giuliani. Let's hope not. All right. I'm going to start this over. Uh, my wings prognostication. I'm down on the wings this year. I think they're, going to be better but i think think they're still one of the five six seven worst teams in the league jacob Verona is going to miss four months after a shoulder surgery which sucks because he was going to be their best offensive player my prognostication after being like super high on dylan larkin last year is that jacob Verona comes back in february and still leads the team in scoring this season after Tyler Bertuzzi is traded before the trade deadline. So, so you think he outscores Dylan Larkin? Yes. In, wow. in like two and a half months. All right. That could be interesting. That's my prognostication for the wings. But you think Tyler Bertuzzi is going to get traded for a decent haul? A King's ransom. I say in the notes, I think the Blackhawks make the playoffs and then flame out in the playoffs. Um, I think, some of their off-season wackiness works. Some of their off-season wackiness doesn't. I think Seth Jones plays pretty well. And then, like, the lower defenseman, I think Caleb Jones kind of struggles. Um, I think they have a lot of forwards and kind of can't decide on who plays. And I think Flurry does well, but not quite to his Vesna caliber. And I think they they lose in the first or second round. And with that, you have our second ever season preview. We are now entering our second season, still not at our first full year, but second season of, you know, just talking shit about the NHL. Thank you so much for listening. You can find us on the internet at handsomehockey.com as our website, Handsome Hockey Podcast on Instagram, at Handsome Hockey on Twitter, uh, handsomehockeypod at gmail.com if you want to internet or if Take a breath. You're trying to do this all without breathing. I don't want to breathe anymore. Um, <laughs> if you want to email us, if you are one of the people who are spamming us to try and like take your dick pills, uh, handsomehockeypod at gmail.com. Also, we are on Facebook, which is now back up and running, uh, our, the Handsome Hockey Facebook page. You can check that out. And obviously you're listening to our name ranting somewhere, but uh, we're available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Amazon Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, Overcast, Red Circle, YouTube. This is the end of our season preview. Thank you so much for listening. We are about to go kill a fucking fly. Dude, I got it. Evan just killed right a fly. Right at the end of our second season preview, we killed our second fly of the evening. Like... And just like Evan's hand now covered in dead fly, stay handsome, everybody. Restez beau, tous les mains.